and the war was far away. I said goodbye to my wife, and I held my son while he coughed up onto my shoulder, and I kissed my girl. Don't forgive me, but I spoke sharply to my wife because my son's phlegm stained my shirt, and that would not be good when I went into the town to hope for passengers in my taxi. I left them. I drove past the mosque and past my father's fields where his goats were, and past my wife's father's orchards, and as I went down the hill, very slowly, because the road is not Darmacadam but crushed stone, I saw the trails of the aeroplanes in the skies. To the Chechen, who had a patch of leather fastened with elastic over his right eye, and whose left hand was replaced with a chrome-coated metal claw, Caleb was Abu Caleb. He and the other men had fought in the north, and on the plain south of Kabul, and then north of Kandahar, had fought and fled when disaster was about to overwhelm them, then fought again and fled again. For a week they had not rested, had barely eaten, for each of them pressed into the combi van, the taxi. It was hard to accept defeat. They were now on a flat plain, featureless, without trees or hills, without cover, and their destination was the mountains, where, if those were their orders, they would finally stand and fight from caves, ravines, and high ground, if they reached the mountains. I was driving down the hill from the village, very carefully, so that the holes would not damage underneath the vehicle, and the trails from three aeroplanes were coming towards me. They were very high, and I could not see the planes themselves, only the trails they left behind. In our village we knew little about the war. Everything we knew came from the imam, who had a radio set and who listened to the broadcasts of the leadership from Kabul. But we were far from Kabul. I remember I was angry with the dust that came up from the road, because I had just washed the windows. I had no interest in the aeroplanes. It was a good morning, and the sun shone. I thought I was blessed by God, and I was thinking of the feast for my wife's birthday. I regretted that I had spoken sharply to her about my shirt. His head rocked. His chin drooped. Even if Caleb could have slept, he would not have done. The elbow butted into his ribcage, but the taxi driver, who used only the side lights of the combi van, had swerved twice onto the rough gravel beside the tarmacadam, and each time Caleb had snatched the wheel, heaved it over, and prevented them spewing off the road. In the Toyota pickup, with the .5 caliber machine gun mounted over the cab, they had been at the back end of a five-vehicle convoy fleeing for the mountains. It would have been chance, luck, that the first four pickups had twisted and negotiated a way through an old roadblock of concrete-filled oil drums, and had missed the coil of loose barbed wire. Their pickup had caught it. They had driven on, hearing the scraping of the tangle of wire, and had thought they would lose it. They had not. The front left tire had gone first, then the rear right. Within a kilometre the two tires were shredded, and they were detached from the convoy with the cold of the evening gathering round them. There had been an argument. In a babble of voices, Caleb had said they should stay by the road, and the Chechen had backed him. He was the Chechen's favourite. Four hours later, the taxi van had come down the road. 
Another argument when it was halted at gunpoint. They were outside the part of Afghanistan they knew. They were strangers there. Caleb had said they should use the driver, and again the Chechen had backed him. Three hours later, and Caleb smiled ruefully at the thought of it, he knew the driver, the driver's immediate family, the driver's distant family, and the driver's village. In the heat of the vehicle he had shrugged out of his camouflage tunic. The floppy hanging trousers, the long-tailed shirt, and the wool cap without a peak made warmth enough. I saw my friend, Umar. He had gone down the road from the village to see if there was grazing lower on the hill. He is a good man. We used to talk and take coffee together when I was not in the town with the taxi. I was slowing when it seemed as if the world exploded. The taxi was lifted up from the road. If I had not seen Omar and braked to talk to him, the taxi would have gone off the road. I would have been killed. Better if I had been killed. But that was not God's will. I was two kilometers from the village, or perhaps a little more, and the noise was like thunder, but greater than anything I had ever heard before. I braked. I, I ran from the vehicle and lay in a ditch with Omar, my face in the water. I thought the thunder would break my ears. Then it was gone. When I dared to look up, I saw the trails of the aeroplanes going away. But I could not see our village. There was a great cloud over it, a cloud of dust. The cloud was from the camp that had not been used for two years, right to my village and past it. The old camp and the village were underneath the cloud. And there was quiet. You would like to see a photograph of my family? Caleb nodded. He knew how the story would end. A wallet was passed to him, and he opened it. He saw the identification card behind brittle plastic. Fawzi al-Ate. He saw the date of birth. The driver was twenty-five years old, four months older than himself. There was the photograph of the driver, faded in black and white, probably taken on his wedding day, but with a straggling beard and a wispy moustache. The driver's finger jabbed at the picture beside the identification card. In it, Fawzi al-Ate stood tall beside a slight woman who wore the dark chador robe. Caleb could not see her face. The driver held their son against his shoulder, and the wife held their daughter against her hip. He held the wallet down by his knees, so that the dashboard lights lit it. They were all dead. My wife, my son, and my daughter were dead. My parents were dead, and my wife's parents. The imam was dead. The family of Omar were dead. A helicopter flew over in the afternoon, but did not land. We buried all of the dead that we could find, but there were still some that we had not reached, but who we could smell. I think God was kind to me, because we buried my wife, my son, and my daughter, and my wife's parents. But we did not find my father and my mother. It was six days before help came, foreigners in soldiers' uniforms. They were Americans, and they gave money to Omar and myself. I kept my money, God forgive me. But Omar threw their money back at their feet, and they beat him. They took him away in their trucks. I was left. There was me 
and some dogs and the goats that had been in the fields. I took my taxi down to the town. I... The spotlight blazed in front of him, its beam bouncing in the dust encrusted on the windscreen. He saw the shape of a man, shadow thrown grotesquely forward, a rifle at the hip, an arm raised high above the symmetric shape of a helmet. Maybe the driver panicked. Maybe terror locked his foot down on the accelerator. Maybe he had never been confronted by the half-lit silhouette of an American soldier. The convivan surged past the soldier. For a moment it was clear of him and free. Locked in Caleb's hand, the wallet was unseen, unfelt. There were cries, shouts of awakened confusion behind him, and a claw dug into his arm as the Chechen tried to steady himself. As the van swung in the road, the sidelights caught the prone figures of men in camouflage uniforms beside the tarmacadam. Caleb heard the shouts, then the first shots hit the van. He glimpsed the wide-eyed terror on the driver's face, then, seconds later, felt the warmth as the man's blood spattered on his cheeks and in his beard. The van, out of control, slewed off the road, rolled once from side to roof to side, then came to rest. A door careered open, and Caleb was hurled across the driver's torso and head, his breath squeezed from his lungs. The gunfire went on. Bullets hammered the carcass of the van. Shouts burst in his ears. Watch the motherfuckers. Don't go fucking close. Careful, guys, careful. Hit the fuckers. Another endless rattle of firing on automatic raked the van. Caleb hugged the ground between the rocks that had broken his fall from the door. It was more than two years since he had heard words in that language. It was from his past, from a rejected culture. A moment of silence, then a low moan from inside the van. A final...